I've been a technology entrepreneur over half of my life. And during that time, I've been interested in basically going beyond human performance when it comes to organizing information, learning and collaboration. When it comes to behavior change, it's extremely hard. We are like robots. We just repeat ourselves. Uh, a person who is a long-term smoker or drinker, when a doctor says that if you continue doing what you do, you will die or get a, a serious consequence, people still do it. I mean, anyone who pushes the boundaries of what it means to be human and uh, showing that there are kind of, I mean, there are limits, but you can go beyond those limits if you understand, uh, let's say, physiology or you understand nutrition or you understand uh, different kind of practice and, and how those die in into uh, improving what you, what you try to achieve in life. You probably have better stuff growing on your yard than you have in the supermarket locally. So anything from parsley to to uh, coriander to um, lettuce, etc. I mean, you can you can just find much better stuff uh, growing on your yard. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, visit naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is the first guy I call. Making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. Welcome to another episode of the OPP. We are joined today by two international guests, and uh, this is going to be a really fun episode for you guys. So uh, I want to welcome in our guests. We have Matthias Ribbing and Temu Arena, uh, am I? I hope I'm not butchering that, Tamer. That's all good. So wonderful to be here, Ryan. Matthias, uh, you may recognize as a longtime Natural Stacks and Siltep supporter. Uh, Matthias has been on a previous podcast. He is a grandmaster of memory on a show about this time last year. We recorded live at Paleo FX. He memorized the Austin newspaper in his non-native language. So we may press him today for some new and different memory tips for you guys, uh, if that's all right with you, Matthias. I'm so happy to be back, Ryan. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. All right. So uh, the, the big reason that we have you guys on this show is, um, and, and we'll get to this towards the second half of the podcast, but to, just to introduce it for our listeners, um, you guys are co-coordinating, um, promoting, if that's the right way you want to phrase it, the Biohacker Summit in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, it is uh, coming up in May, and we want to get the word out, tell as many of our uh, American and European listeners as possible. So, um, before we really dive in with you guys, uh, the obligatory public service announcements for you guys listening, make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post for this episode with links and resources. 
we will have a link for you guys to the Biohacker Summit if you're interested in joining all of us over there. Uh, these are amazing events. I was lucky enough to uh, be a part of the one in Finland back in November. Um, and both of our guests have been a part of previous ones and, and will be uh, going forward as well. So um, also go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. Um, if we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with free Natural Stacks products. I'm going to read one right now from Jersey 7161 says grateful five stars, dear Ryan and the entire natural stacks team. I am truly grateful for your work on the OPP, the extensive research and dedication to quality that goes into the natural stacks products and the expanse of information and biohacks that have helped me live more optimal and productive life. I can truly say that the OPP and natural stacks have greatly improved my quality of life. Thank you. Jersey, thank you. Uh, that's so cool to read. And, and I'm sure for Matthias and Timu, you guys can relate to, to how cool it is to hear people say things like that. Because I know that's why you guys do what you do as well. You're, you're all about helping other people uh, optimize their health, their performance and their lives. Absolutely. And what, what Timo has done with the Biohacker Summit is just amazing because it's really more about a real full experience, not only hearing a few speakers, not only testing a few products, but creating a much bigger thing here. It's a uh, unique setup that he's been creating. And I, I was happy to be a, a speaker when he had it in London. And already there, I saw that this is something extra. I mean, it creates this just for example of something really beyond learning, normal learning is this upgraded dinner that you have the evening before, where you have this special wild chef, Finnish Sami Talberg, who is just an amazing artist, but who goes out foraging stuff, uh, creates together with the participants a six course dinner with wild food that also breaks down how to do it uh, with specific cooking techniques and the biochemistry behind it that is just above and beyond most uh, eating experience I've ever had. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing. And, and for you guys listening, you may have heard me mention this, uh, the upgraded dinner when we were at the event in Finland in November. Uh, my most memorable dish from, from that dinner was the reindeer tartare. Uh, it was amazing. Um, but um, we'll, we'll shelf that. We'll come back to it when we start talking about the experience for these events. Um, and, and, and Timo, I definitely want to talk to you about, um, you know, highlight how you are able to put on such unique events, because that is something that stood out to me in Finland. But before we get there, let's quick bio on you, uh, because our audience may be a little bit more familiar with Matthias. But Timo, how did you get to be, be you know, this guy who runs and, and coordinates and, and puts on, promotes uh, such an amazing biohacking summit and, and collection of people. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, the long story short is that I've been a technology entrepreneur over half of my life. And during that time, I've been interested in basically going beyond human performance when it comes to organizing information, learning and collaboration. And in the end of the day, after running my management consultancy and setting up a venture capital funded uh, startup company, I was working really long hours, just like many listeners out there are just like, you know, killing it. And I, I thought I was living my dream. But in the end of the day, after half a year of 
not sleeping enough per night, not necessarily eating uh, on a regular schedule, and just like not having enough breaks. I guess once you turn 30 years old, you get pretty old. I, I mean, I, I think I, I, I think I kind of like grew up at that point because I got an ulcer. So that's a that's a stress related illness, um, and it showed itself up first as a little bit of pain uh, when I haven't been eating. Sort of, it felt like you know that you are a bit hungry uh, earlier than normal, and when I ate something, it went away. Now, as months went on, it, the pain just grew bigger and bigger and didn't go away anymore. So I went to the doctor, just like many people would do in this situation. And I got prescribed proton pump inhibitors. Those are medication that lower the stomach acid levels so that the wound could heal. It took the pain away, but it didn't restore my vitality and energy. So I felt pretty low, but I was able to continue with my work. So after six weeks, of uh, eating that medication, once it ran out, the pain came back and I went back to the doctor and I got prescribed for three months of that medication. And at that point, when the doctor said that some people need to eat eat this type of medication for the rest of their lives, I thought that I'm 30, I don't want to be hooked on a single medication for the rest of my life. So I did what many people do, I went online. And online, I started first researching the medication that I was eating. And what I discovered was that you're not supposed to eat this type of medication for a long period of time. It's only for temporary reasons. Uh, and uh, there is pretty drastic consequences of, of, of having that type of medication for a long period of time. You have obviously stomach acids for a reason. So when I dive deeper into the medical literature, I went online on PubMed uh, PubMed is an online library of all these great research articles that are pushed out in the medical field. And I started from the Wilser, obviously, but but I discovered so much more related to low-level low inflammation and uh, all these inflammatory diseases that are pretty much the the, the big problem in our society today behind cardiovascular disease, behind diabetes, et cetera, you can often trace those back to some type of inflammation and stress. So I devised myself a protocol. So I, I read hundreds and hundreds of research articles and I made this Excel uh, spreadsheet that was documenting some of the findings that I did. And I created from scratch for myself this type of uh, anti-inflammatory diet. And it was designed to pretty much restore the balance in my body and uh, deal with the inflammation that was going on, obviously with the ulcer, but also other contributing factors. So this protocol involved stress management uh, techniques, uh, sleeping more, which is actually a good idea, uh, meditation practice, uh, dietary interventions, so avoiding foods that increase inflammation in the body, uh, putting in food items that would help your body to deal with inflammation, and uh, etc. And also supplements that are good for these kind of conditions. And also moderate exercise. Uh, I mean, exercise also produces uh, inflammatory response, um, but it's also a hormetic stressor, so it's good for strengthening your body. So you have to be careful with that one. 
And when I started the protocol, I went to my doctor and I realized that this is a pretty long winded answer to your question, but let me finish the story is that um, my doctor said that this all looks very sound and uh, she's not an expert on all of these. Um, but um, the problem that people have is that when it comes to behavior change, it's extremely hard. We are like robots. We just repeat ourselves. Uh, a person who is a long-term smoker or drinker, when a doctor says that if you continue doing what you do, you will die or get a, a serious consequence, people still do it. And you try to change everything here. You try, you try to change every area of your life. So how are you going to you know, achieve this? And for me, the kind of pinnacle or the tool for change became quantified self. So self-knowledge through numbers. So I started using different trackers and mobile applications and wearables and devices to see if the and lab tests also to see if the changes that I'm doing um, informed by science and practitioners, if, if, if those things really work. So I was searching for what would be like the the ethos of biohacking, but it would be the 20% that would result in 80% of improvement. And uh, within a few months, I was uh, starting my protocol. I was able to change all the areas in my life pretty easily, actually, because the tracking and the self-quantification became a reward mechanism that told me that these things work and those things don't. And um, so I was able to change my behavior and also find the tools that had the biggest impact in my my health and well-being uh, and tre treatment of my ulcer. So once I felt much better and I was a healed man after a few months, uh, and that, at that point I had been suffering for nine months uh, of that ulcer, I, I, I noticed something interesting. I had an increased sense of cognitive performance and uh, ability to process information, solve problems. I didn't feel sleepy during the day anymore like it usually in, in the old me, it went in, uh, well, went in waves uh, pretty much. But I, I felt better than ever before, even better than before the ulcer. So I continued. And when the summer came along, I noticed that my allergies went away. I usually have pollen allergy, et cetera. I didn't have to use antihistamines anymore. Also some other 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 things um, also improved that I thought that were with me for all my life. So that was kind of my my epiphany, my 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 learning experience that when you change the what you eat and the way you live, that can have a drastic impact in your well-being and performance and ultimately whatever you try to achieve in life. So I gathered around 40 people who are extremely interested in this topic. I just asked on Facebook who would be interested in this. And I shared what I, you know, tools I've used and what protocols I de uh, deployed. So that was the first meetup for Quantified Self and Biohacking Finland, an organization that I set up. Uh, the next event was a uh, few hundred people. And that was in 2012 uh, and uh, 13. And uh, then, then it grew up. Uh, several hundred people. And in 2015, we organized the first international biohackers summit. And uh, last year we had 800 
participants in 2016. This year we expect 1,500 people. So we, what we want to do is to facilitate the people who are interested in health and well-being and optimizing human performance and better living through science and technology and nature uh, to come together. And, and it's not just like a trade show. It's not for promoting products. It's really to have this conversation, what it means to be human, what is the role of all the scientific breakthroughs that we have, what is the role of these technologies, what are the practical implications and what are the methods and tools and strategies that we can deploy today for our benefits. And I mean, that was the beginning of Biker Summit and the ethos and uh, the events that we put together have this spirit. So it's uh, a lot of people who visit it say that it's, it's a very community driven experience. Uh, it's really about knowledge on stage instead of product pitches. Uh, I mean, many of the companies come to our event, they sell more product than ever because the audience is just the, the right kind of people are interested in these kind of things. But the commercial aspect is not the central stage. It's really the the community and the experience that is key. And uh, I guess for those reasons, Biker Summit is one of the biggest biking events in the world and definitely in Europe. You know, I, I love the last part of that answer as you start to talk about the ethos of, of, of the event. And I mean, I can certainly say that I was blown away last year when I attended the event. It was unlike any event that I've ever been to. And, and I've been interviewed on some other shows and and talked about it and and in in my own way tried to explain the difference between that event and and what I perceive as maybe the European view of biohacking uh, as opposed to the American view of biohacking. Um, I, I was actually going to ask both of you guys to kind of comment uh, and, and define in your own way what biohacking means to you guys. I think. Tim, I think you just did that as well as, as you possibly could have without even being prompted. Uh, Matthias, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on that. And, and the reason I ask and, and highlight this is just because, I, you know, I think, uh, Matthias, you just, you, you were, I think both of you guys were actually uh, tagged in this post. There, there's, there are quite a few um, videos and spoof posts going around social media, making fun of biohacking. And some of it is, you know, lighthearted. And, and there are some who have uh, not so lighthearted comments about it. And, and I think in it, the way it comes across to me is that most of the people who have a problem with the word have a problem with the fact that their connotation of biohacking is that biohackers are people looking for shortcuts. And that's absolutely not the way it, we define it. And you know, I think you just heard that from Timu, but Matthias, how would you define it? Who, who is this movement for and, and who is this event for? Yeah, as you say, I think biohacking in itself, in its, it's a word that scare many people off. I think it's a very wide, big tent movement. For, uh, for me, it's more about applying like an traditional uh, systematic thinking like the uh, the scientific method on trying things on yourself so it's not completely scientific but you, because you don't have any control groups but you want to measure and see what actually works and what doesn't work to avoid placebo and easy traps uh, and so on and my entry into the whole thing is that i'm a I'm a learning nerd. I love new understanding and learning. And in my work as an 
like a memory champion, what I, what I would like to do is to hack the actual process of learning, to be able to use my brain better, to be able to cooperate with it, not work against it, but learn the actual, learn how to learn, actually. So that, that's what I started many years ago, now written several books about it, and really to see, for example, and then in a memory competition, you could create clearly measure what kind of brain training actually could give results that anyone could test and you could see it for yourself that it worked or not. So that's my sort of uh, soft entry into it. Then you need to check uh, different things. For example, you, you can add on nutrition, which I personally find very interesting as well. But the important thing, I think, just is to try. You, you want to become better and you want to apply and try some uh, good systems for it and uh, share, find out what works for other and uh, yeah, have this uh, exchange. And that the good thing with what Timo does at these summits is basically one of the things I really like is the, the hangout aspect of it, that you get time to just to meet the most interesting people who have all are like experts in their own fields of studies on themselves. So to meet these people, to talk, then, then that is my big takeaway from events like this. Yeah, if I, if I add into the definition of biohacking, so to me, biohackers are pretty much systems thinkers who are looking at the human body and the mind and your relationship to the world as a system. So how does this system work? And you do read research papers and, you know, you, you basically make calculated guesses that, or you devise hypotheses that if I do this, this is what might happen. Now, this kind of approach, a very systems based approach has been deployed by all, I mean, great men throughout history and women, obviously. Uh, but some of my favorite biohackers are people who are very long term practitioners of martial arts or Olympic athletes or yogis or long-term meditators, you name it. I mean, anyone who pushes the boundaries of what it means to be human and uh, showing that there are kind of, I mean, there are limits, but you can go beyond those limits if you understand, uh, let's say, physiology or you understand nutrition or you understand uh, different kind of practice and, and how those die in into uh, improving what you what you try to achieve in life, and um, from that perspective, what biohacking also as a modern movement is um, incorporating is uh, the the use of technology, the use of latest science and technology, and um, a good example is all these wearables and ways to measure and track and do lab tests and all that, so that you try to figure out what what is kind of the optimal minimal, what is uh, what is the input that produces the the output that you're looking for in a system? So from a systems thinking perspective, the human organism can be seen as almost like a cybernetic organism. So you have an input, you have a process, you have an output, and then you have the feedback loop through which the organism learns. The input could be food, it could be exercise. The process that happens could be the different metabolic pathways and or genetics and and and. Um, or energy production in the human body, the Krebs cycle, you name it. And then the output is the performance that, that you are uh, looking for. It could be physical performance, it could be mental uh, performance. And the feedback loop is pretty much the way how you observe or gather or understand 
which are the inputs that produce the maximum output. So based on the outputs, you learn and you devise new hypotheses, you create new strategies for approaching what you do next. So it's kind of a, a very strategic and, and very analytical and systematical way of improving what it means to be human. But at the same time, I want to bring up a perspective because I see that there's a lot of people who are kind of pr projected or, 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 or drawn to the, the whole idea of biohacking is people who want to perform better, people who are maybe even struggling with their lives in terms of work. They, they don't have the energy or they don't have the hours in the day. So they try to find ways to get more of that, to get more done. And I think that is a, that is a very slippery road. It's um, you have to be very careful with it. So if, if you see a solution to your lack of energy and lack of mental acuity, uh, a cup of bulletproof coffee or a specific nootropic supplement, uh, you are not playing the long-term game really there because you are really kind of trying to get more out of the system instead of trying to find the balance in your life. So that's the, I, I think that's one of the key differences between the American or uh, North American and uh, the European approach to biohacking is that I see that around here, it's less about performance, getting more done, kicking ass. And it's more about better living uh, and health and well-being and longevity uh, and uh, transcending maybe even what it means to be human instead of just like, you know, kicking, kicking, kicking it when you are doing uh, your next startup or something like this. And it doesn't have to be that complicated, even if it's a huge, huge area. The good thing is that there are all these kinds of different experts and how you can on a human level see what, what have you done, what, what works. You can easily experiment on yourself in, in different ways and have fun with these ideas. So, I mean, everyone doesn't have to do all the job. That's the good thing with the community thinking, I think. Yeah, and I, I would like to add also one thing as a key difference, just to get it out there, is that what we do is we incorporate nature into this equation. So it's not just it's not just about supplements, which is the case I see a lot in uh, the the different online journals for biohacking and events uh, in in the states. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because here in Finland and also in Sweden, where our event takes place in May, is that we have every man's right. So you can just go on a private land. You can pick up any herbs, mushrooms, whatever you like, and uh, no, the the act of um, putting some barbed wire or uh, signs that stay out of my land is just like a violation of uh, of public rights, pretty much. So, if you own some private land, uh, it's in, in, in where I come from. It's it's okay to trespass. It's okay to to pick up things from the nature that are not um, uh, endangered. And the, the way how we live very close to nature, our relationship to nature is, is pretty much that when it comes to food and nutrition, real food is what we look for. So we start from a diet that is based on real food items. And when it comes to supplementation, it's really just to support what's in there. So when we talk about nootropics, it's really about kind of getting the baseline right and then getting the extra kick um, or, or just like the, the right kind of strategic tool for a specific situation. So I think this kind of um, 
uh, the, the approach that we see real plants, and I mean, not just as a label in a, in a, in a jar, but real plants as a source of vitality, as a source of um, energy uh, that really drives you forward is, is kind of one of the things that we promote when it comes to biohacking. So that's why we take people to foraging. That's why we teach people to cook with biochemistry in mind and latest culinary kitchen tools and fresh produce, local produce. So uh, for us, uh, organic is kind of the mass produced version of real wild things. So the, the, I remember at the last Biohackers Summit, uh, Summit uh, upgraded dinner when we had butter, for example, the butter that we had was not grass-fed organic butter. It was, it was wild um, mountain herb uh, fed, fed cows that had been uh, eating at least 300 different species of plants. And those animals would eat they would eat grass only if nothing else is available. So, I mean, that's kind of the level of quality that we are looking for when it comes to food. I'm, I'm laughing because, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys actually had that flown in like on a special uh, delivery or something, right? Yeah, yeah. We we tr- we, we send that from the Alps. Uh, and, and the reason is that in Finland, I mean, most of the year it's pretty dark and barren and the, the ground is, you know, is so... It's not a lot of grass either around. So, so you want to just look when it comes to produce, you want to see where really the best stuff grows. But when it comes to, let's say, blueberries, uh, in Finland, we don't really have blueberries that grow in bush that we have. We have this smaller uh, kind of uh, uh, more heirloom variety that grows on the ground. It's called bilberry and bilberries have several times the, the amount of antioxidants than a, than a blueberry. It has much more flavor. It, it just needs to fight for its life to, to produce that berry. So, so that's what I like. I mean, when you, if you drink coffee, you want to have a coffee that grows in high altitude um, in, in pretty harsh conditions so that it really has to fight for its life. And, and that's how you produce the complex biochemistry that your body needs for those uh, pharmacological effects that you look for in whatever you're going for. If you go for turmeric or you go for ginger or you go for... Uh, go if you go for bilberries or blueberries or, or or whatever. I mean, it's it's pretty well known in Chinese medicine also that if you take like ginseng for example, that is also promoted as a nootropic. That uh, it really matters if it needs to fight pathogens and bacteria and other species in nature. It produces much more complex biochemistry, much more bioavailable um, uh, compounds than a one that's grown indoors. Uh, in lab environment. And that's the same for our food. I mean, if you take a tomato that's grown indoors um, with pesticides and you compare that to a real variety that that kind of really need to fight for its life, it's completely different flavor that you get and completely different effect on the body and nutrition profile as well. And we did, we did balance the shipping in of expensive animal products with picking actual locally grown ants in those uh, yeah, and we're gonna we're do it this, to keep this time balance well. here, right? <laughs> well, and I'm so glad you guys brought up this nature thing because that was the one thing that stood out to me more than anything. And everyone I've talked to, that was the thing that I highlighted was how much uh, nature was involved with the the European, you know, approach. And um, what I want to do now is um, let's do a little bit of rapid fire. I'm going to give you guys two questions each. I want to try to get our listeners four actionable tips and 
I, I want to kind of maybe break this like one tip from a few of the umbrellas uh, or, or categories that fall under the umbrella of biohacking. Um, so let's stick with the the nature and the the wild stuff. Um, Timu, tell us something we need to learn or or that could benefit us if we wanted to do more foraging or eating wild. So first step would be to get familiar with your surroundings. So what grows out there? Uh, just to give you a few examples of plants that grow everywhere on this planet that are considered superfoods. One of them is nettle and the stinging nettle. And uh, the other one is dandelion. You probably have some kind of species of that growing wherever you are. And when it comes to stinging nettle, for example, I mean, just like a handful of that has more nutrients than a whole plastic bag full of lettuce. So when it comes to these wild foods, they they are often also more bitter tasting. So when it comes to flavor, if something is more bitter, has more complex texture, uh, is stronger, obviously, it also often has more nutrients. A good example would be rucola, for example. If you pick up any herbs from the supermarket, you, you might want to go for rucola instead of uh, just like plain lettuce that doesn't taste anything. To me, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a clever way to market water for people for extremely ex- ex- expensive price. So when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to different types of herbs and plants, you probably have better stuff growing on your yard than you have in the supermarket locally. So anything from parsley to to uh, coriander to um, lettuce, etc. I mean, you can you can just find much better stuff uh, growing on your yard. Uh, when it comes to dandelions, dandelions. I mean, the yellow color already gives away the fact that those are actually quite high on omega three oils, and uh, that's one of the one of the best sources in nature. So uh, just like these unopened buds of um, uh, dandelion are just great for frying on the pan on butter and uh, just eating it that way, making it a little bit more bioavailable. So you're actually eating the the yellow flower from the dandelion? Yeah. Yeah. And also the leaves. The leaves are, um, uh, they're pretty good kidney tonics. Uh, You you don't necessarily want to eat a lot of those leaves, maybe four pairs or something like this is is a good uh, kind of tonic amount. And when it comes to the root, uh, the root is uh, root of these plants. If you take dandelion nettle, uh, dandelion root is great for kidney function. Uh, it's it's a great diuretic as well. Uh, when it comes to nettle, nettle root is um, excellent for men who want to keep up their testosterone levels. So the root is actually acts as, um, uh, it, it kind of um, prevents the uh, the conversion of free testosterone to estrogen. So when you are stressed out and you don't want your testosterone to convert to uh, estrogen and cortisol, you may want to take some nettle root, for example. And um, another uh, pretty cool superfood from nature that probably grows on your backyard is pine pollen. So in spring, when when pine is just about to release its pollen, you can just Put a plastic bag around the uh, around uh, a cluster of them, and just shake it up, and you get a bag full of uh, uh, pine pollen. And pine pollen has like uh, it's it's uh, all these new growths. If you look at any kind of growth factors, pollen is great. Seeds are great. Um, I mean, flowers, all those areas in different plants, and and also new new shoots, uh, fresh shoots in the spring. 
are very high in nutrients. And and one of the things that you get in pine pollen is eight different forms of um, uh, uh, hormones that are similar to testosterone. And uh, there is several micrograms of testosterone per gram in um, in pine pollen. So a very traditional tonic is actually to combine pine pollen and nettle root. So you kind of get the testosterone, then you are inhibiting the conversion of uh, of testosterone to estrogen. So that's just an example of, of just stuff that is in abundance on your backyard that you can just start collecting, make tinctures out of it, eat it, fry it, whatever, and uh, save a lot of money in the process. That is beautiful. Uh, and, and for you guys listening, that's just that's just a tip of the iceberg. And, and at the Upgraded Dinner, there's six courses and every single course has ingredients with um, all of those benefits that are, are stacked and, and compounded into you know, amazing meals. So if you're, if you're thinking about going to this event and you're not convinced for the learning and the networking, uh, go for the upgraded dinner, if nothing else, uh, Matthias, let's, let's make it your turn here with, um, this little rapid fire thing. Give us, um, uh, some kind of new memory trick or, or tip, uh, that you've been using recently or, or found uh, to be effective for, for the people that you're coaching and helping. Yeah, in a good relation to like a summit uh, like this, is that we know to optimize learning, it's always the best when you have a real experience of something that you get to take part of something and try different things and so on. But for much learning, we cannot simply do that. If we have to read through a lot of maybe scientific papers or just anything that we want to learn. But what I've done is find the best way to actually hack that to simulate an experience, which is the next best way of learning. And that is what happens when you visualize something. That is the the way for the mind to hack an experience. And the cool thing with the brain is that in like after a little time has passed, the brain mixes up what is an actual experience and what is just a simulated experience. It mixes the two up together and doesn't know which is which, which is a bit scary, but there's been a lot of science on this, for example, in criminology, where we know that people, they don't, they pretend that they know something in all well-meaning, but they think they've seen a witness, but they've, they've just made it up. And the brain can't separate this. It's a bit scary if we look back in on how little we actually know about our own life because it's all mixed up with the simulated experiences and true happenings. But we can use this for our advantage. And then, for example, if we, when during a reading, for let's say we're reading a scientific paper now since we're talking in this area, if we're reading about something about uh, um, exercise or something, what happens during your reading, if you choose an image before you start reading the page and visualize like, let's say a running shoe, you see a running shoe before yourself, uh, it should be a large image, like if you're holding a bathing, like a yoga ball or something like this in front of you. You can hold out your hands and try like matrix style, always try to produce it before yourself. Three dimension in full color. And then read the text, which might be about like, let's say it's about uh, exercise. And then you come back to this image. Now, every now and then during that reading, 
something happens. It's like that this simulated experiment, uh, experience, the image draw the information from the paper to it. It makes it come alive that you will find yourself back to the details in your brain much, much easier. So you, you can use this technique. Uh, for example, you can choose one image for each page. If you continue the next page, you can choose, for example, a, a sweater. See that in front of yourself. During the reading, you visualize something. So if you try to, then you're actually starting to create experiences for your brain, which makes learning much more vivid. And it, it doesn't turn you into a robot who can just recite something robotic wise, but you become much more of a true expert because you can find your way back and forth in the brain between these, all these images that you start to train yourself to think in. So that's become, that's the essence of what I do and how I see learning and how you can create this in an easy and structured, systematical way. Because if you do this for a few times, it becomes more and more automatic and you manage to create, you create an experience, which is also a much bigger thing when it comes to life, that you take, you take responsibility for your own learning and do something of it. It's not, you just don't sit there passively listening to someone speaking. No, you create the knowledge that you take in. So for example, if you listen to a speaker, choose one image and visualize it at the same time and you turn your active learning on and much more will happen. That's that's very cool. I have a, one question to Matthias. And by the way, Matthias is going to teach you all these tools at the Biohackers Summit. He's uh, in Stockholm in Sweden. He's one of the speakers. So, uh, Matthias, what would be like the kind of practical uses? Where would people be able to use these tools that are uh, pretty much about using your existing brain more effectively? Like what what areas do you see people getting most improvement in? It's when you need to take in new information. doesn't matter if it's something really abstract uh, at work or if it's something that you really love. And that's the cool thing because when we really study something that we really love and are passionate about, we create these uh, experiences on our own because we see ourselves in this, what we are reading and so on. And then learning happens much better. But the cool thing is when you know the, the system of it, that you can create a, a simple three-dimensional image, you get this to work for also for information, which you're maybe not that you have to take in, but that you're not so super excited uh, about in the beginning. You trick your brain to actually to see it as a live information. And we all know this from looking back at what actually has worked for learning. I mean, if, you, if we read a book and there's some a good author author is seen as someone who can invoke lively images and this is how it is but now we think take the responsibility so we don't need even good authors we can create this lively uh, way, way of learning ourselves so it's basically for any kind of learning doesn't matter any topic and any situation both listening reading it works the same way all right. So if you guys want more on that, uh, Matthias talked in great detail on the previous podcast. Um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, I, I don't remember off the top of my head which number it was. If I'd been practicing his visualization when we recorded it, maybe I would. 
But it's good. You stick to the important thing. A number isn't really that important. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, but, but like I said, we'll put that link in the show notes for you guys if you want to go back and listen to that one. Um, uh, let's go, Tim, let's go back to you and, and let's keep it with nature. Uh, one of the other big uh, trends and topics at the Finland summit in November was thermogenesis. And in Finland, you guys have the uh, really cool practice of just being able to go out and get into a pond and it's frozen and you get cold water exposure and you guys have the, the Finnish saunas. Maybe give our audience uh, some sort of thermogenesis tip that they may not be aware of or haven't heard yet. Yeah, when it comes to cold thermogenesis and exposing yourself to cold, I mean, I, I'm kind of like getting all the giggles when I see people uh, kind of systematically going for it, you know, they, they calculate time and it's almost like a performance when they do go to sauna, you know, how many minutes they need to be there to get the, whatever, whatever benefits they're looking for and to trigger for. And, uh, they also mix up things like infrared sauna with kind of traditional heat exposure, uh, through sweat saunas and, and, um, uh, wood heated saunas and, and so on. So, so a few tips. Yeah, will you, yeah, a few will you explain that difference for, for folks listening right now? What's the difference between infrared and, and traditional? Yeah, let's jump into it. So, I mean, infrared is great for detoxification and, and just like uh, looking at the uh, health benefits of infrared rain, uh, infrared light, that's that's undisputable. I mean, there is a few thousand different studies that uh, point to the benefits of infrared light. Infrared light is um, what increases at sunset, for example, and uh, there is a biological effect and it's often anti-inflammatory uh, and that's good. Now, if you are looking for some of the hormetic stressors um, uh, and benefits of, of sauna, uh, that's where you go for the uh, the 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 wood heated or or just like um, it could be an electric uh, sauna as well, but that's an electric grill for me instead of a sauna as a Finnish person. So um, what what comes out of uh, just like increasing the temperature? It's it's kind of a stress stress uh, stressful situation to your body, and what it does it increases the number of wi uh, white blood cells, so your immune system cells in the process. And if you go to sauna once a week. Uh, you will reduce uh, and decrease your risk for getting a seasonal flu by over 60%, for example. So just like exposing yourself to heat alteration is already preparing your immune system for fighting those kind of situations. Also, when you um, when you go to the uh, cold water, uh, and, and you, you're basically training your cardiovascular system and you're increasing... Uh, your ability to get blood into the microvein. So when you when you get exposed to cold water, um, it, it tries to preserve your inner organs. Um, and uh, just like the cardiovascular effects and benefits of both uh, wood heated sauna uh, and uh, and uh, cold thermogenesis are, I mean, those are great. It's just like for heart health. So I would recommend everyone to do it. Uh, like a sauna once a week. And when it comes to cold exposure, you should do like maybe even once a day, uh, finish as often as you can your shower with one or two minutes of cold water. And the trick there is to, when you're breathing, uh, kind of start to hyperventilate, try to relax your breathing, try to breathe and uh, in a calm manner 
and relax your muscles because that's what often people do. They kind of tense every muscle and that actually makes it more colder. You can try, you can try this yourself. You get a bucket of ice and you try to really squeeze your fist and then you put it into the water. It will feel very different than if you just relax your hand and put it in there. It's, it stings more, it's more painful. So you want to relax your body. You want to stabilize your breathing. And in that way, you train yourself to cope with cold weather, uh, cold water. Now, one of the other benefits of this is also in uh, uh, fat utilization. So if you want to become a fat burning machine, uh, exposing yourself to cold trains your so-called brown adipose tissue, BAT, to burn more of that uh, white um, fat tissue for energy. And um, young children, for example, they have high number of BAT compared to body mass. And as you age, you can also train and make your body produce more of that brown uh, uh, adipose fat tissue by exposing yourself to cold. So you basically become uh, very good at producing uh, heat without shivering. So the, one of the ways how the body generates heat when you get cold is by shivering. So that makes your muscle cells vibrate and that creates heat. But the other one is non-shivering thermogenesis. thermogenesis. So non-shivering thermogenesis is, is, is linked to this BAT and uh, you have to train for it. And if you take a break of let's say one month of uh, <coughs> exposing yourself to cold, you get pretty quickly to baseline. So you have to really do this on a regular basis to get the benefits of it. Same goes for sauna. All right. So this is all really good stuff, guys. Um, I, I know we're, we're running out of time and I want to cover a lot um, regarding the upcoming event. So let's shift gears just a little bit and um, you tell us what we can expect in Stockholm uh, in terms of speakers and, and off-site experience and, and on-site experience. Yeah, we do have some of the Nordic top biohackers when it comes, for example, the Jonas Bergqvist, who's the head of the Paleo Institute here, fantastic nutritionalist with all the keeping up with the latest stuff coming out. And we have a very interesting man, Alexander Bard, who's a cyber philosopher who predicted many of the technologies that has come out lately, like 20 years ago. He was so far in predicting what was going to happen. Many also with much detailed stuff, exactly when MySpace was going to go out of business and so on, the bigger trends. So he, he's a really special, cool guy. And uh, yeah, who's your favorite coming up, Timo? Well, one of my favorites, obviously, is going to be Chris Dancy. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Dancy is, according to Wall Street Journal and Wired, he's the most quantified man in the world or even more the most connected man some some people have called him the patient zero so he's kind of the uh he's he's a case example of running around with hundreds of different trackers and what he has learned out of those tools so he's kind of a walking cyborg almost and and there is tremendous things that you can learn from a person like that. If you are a startup and you're in the business of creating some of these products, etc., I mean, learning from someone like Chris is, is great because he's kind of uh, someone who has really experimented with all of these things. And you can talk to him like face-to-face -face on, on, on and ask any kind of questions. We also have Ariel I Kohler. just have to... I 
I just have to say regarding Chris Dancia, I've had the opportunity to hang out with him a couple of times and he is actually, and I don't say this lightly, he's one of the absolute most intelligent men I've ever met. And he has gone so far beyond anything I've heard in self-quantification. He is now quantifying and hacking actual time. And this is what he's going to talk about. He has these crazy systems where he writes to himself from the to the future that comes back to himself between different programs, seeing how these things uh, works and going into very deep stuff. I mean, he, he is far beyond. So really cool guy. And, and he's going to get into some deep uh, stuff. So you, you, you can't miss that. Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, if you're into body hacking or mind hacking, like hacking time is the next thing, you know, forget about the body and the mind. Now, Ariel Poller is from US. He is uh, the founder of Human Augmentation Investment Syndicate, and he's mentoring over 100 different Silicon Valley startups. He's someone who really knows how to, you know, scale and, and make something viable for larger masses of people when it comes to human augmentation. He serves in the board of Strava. And his, uh, his angel investments include companies like Thunk that is into transcranial electrostimulation and increasing focus and relaxation through those kind of means. So, um, and obviously there is a lot of people who are into hormonal hacking or uh, ketogenic diets, uh, uh, optimizing uh, work through looking at how, how you can like, I value Sialakan is someone who, is someone if you you can learn from when it comes to hacking your genital area uh, and uh, and uh, <laughs> not just not just testosterone but when we do sit so much in these days how can you kind of mitigate do mitigate the damage how how you can do damage control when it comes to uh, modern lifestyle and work so and um, that's kind of also partly what we're going to be talking about as the biohackers handbook so if you haven't heard about my colleague medical doctor Ole Soviarevi or nutrition specialist Jaakko Halmettoja, we are going to be diving deep into our next chapter of our book uh, on biohacking exercise. And so it's not just about, you know, how to get more reps. It's more about how to restore the balance when it comes to exercise in your life and what we can learn from latest science when it comes to that. So, so there is something uh, for everyone. And uh, the community feeling is really the key. It's not just to listen to talks. It's really to interact with other people and everyone in the audience is an expert on something. So it's not just the people on the stage. So it, it really gathers uh, international, uh, very interesting uh, crowd that you can learn from and uh, you will build long-lasting relationships that will benefit you personally and whatever business you are in in the future. You know, I will second that. The, the gathering of people was just so amazing. I mean, like you you just mentioned, I mean, you're going to have angel investors and in, in Silicon Valley uh, leaders. At the, at the event in Finland, I spoke to uh, somebody um, just walking around who was an Olympic athlete for uh, the Dutch rowing team. And then you've got, um, you know, people like yourselves and you've got, you've got ballroom dancers and I mean, you've got doctors. It, it's such an amazing place to just rub elbows with like-minded people who, who are, you know, as you said earlier, just trying to figure out, you know, how to improve their lives in, in every aspect. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the book, Tim, uh, the biohacker uh, handbook. You guys are working on getting that in English, correct? 
Yeah, if you go to biohackingbook.com, you can find our existing chapters that we have already published. So there is a chapter on biohacking sleep. There is a chapter on biohacking or nutrition. And there is one special bonus chapter on biohacking your immunity. And uh, we are now releasing at this next event the the chapter on biohacking exercise. And this book is not just like... uh, uh, so, something put together in the last week and we have been working on it for four years and it's it's massive it's it's the whole book is over 1500 references and uh, very carefully selected and uh, peer-reviewed by a by a network of uh, experts on, on on these different fields in Finland we published the book uh, last December it's a best-selling knowledge book in Finland it's uh, the most crowdfunded uh, uh, basically, knowledge book ever in Finland. Um, we have we have sold so many copies uh, in so little time that it just blows my mind. And we are now gearing up to make it available internationally. And by the way, it's not just like reading; it's uh, very visual work. So it reads like an infographic. So there's hundreds of images that crystallize and put together kind of the key ways to explain some of the things that really work for you. So if you've been, you know, out there on the internet trying to find things, reading blogs and kind of uh, coming across interesting material that that is not polished and um, not necessarily full of references that you can count on, uh, this book is is kind of the Bible of biohacking that we are putting together. And it's it's free uh, when it comes to the sleep chapter, and uh, the individual chapters are, are just like less than $10. Um, uh, you, get, you can get them. And um, the final book you can already get as a subscription. So you basically get all the electronic books as they come out. And in the end, you get shipped the physical hardcover copy. So that's one way also to get involved. On top of that, you get to interact with us. We have a private Facebook group for anyone who's who's into biohacking. So if you are... If you, are, you know, closely this resembles, you know, your thing, you can find the tribe there as well as coming, as well as coming to the Biohacker Summit. Yeah, this book is an amazing resource. Um, and we'll put a link uh, on the show notes for you guys um, so you can check that one out. Um, anything that, that either of you guys can, can leak at this point about maybe offsite or upgraded dinner for the Stockholm event? Well, if you are into... In, uh, if, if the foraging stuff that I was explaining, things about dandelion nettle were of interest, uh, I have to tell you that the time when we run the event in May is just the prime time for picking up the, the medicinal plants in nature. It's spring and uh, it's the fresh growth. Uh, it's, it will be the highest in nutrients, uh, highest in flavor. So it's really the best time for experiencing this compared to summer or late autumn so that's the best time and um, it will be out in the beautiful stockholm archipelago uh, which is a fantastic uh, scenery as well nature is never far away in the nordics you know yeah yeah we just go to the islands there is thousands of islands on the coast of um, of stockholm as well as where i live in here in helsinki so it's pretty much islands everywhere and uh, you, you get to experience pristine nature uh, clean nature and we can pick up those things you learn all those things and there's a lot of learnings you can take home and when it comes to upgraded dinner um, we're going to take every time we take these things to the next level 
it's so hard every time to top what we did last year. And, um, but we, we certainly try, uh, and at this time, because we have this in spring, it, it provides and delivers us so much produce that is otherwise not available. So, um, I'm really eager looking forward what comes out of the genius mind of our, uh, of our award-winning chef, uh, the wild food chef, Summit Alberg. I mean, that guy is just like, um, the, the, the kind of story behind this is that all these chefs are inc- interested in the quality of ingredients and flavor and texture and all that kind of traditional culinary kitchen stuff. But when it comes to Sami, he really understood what we are up to when it comes to biochemistry and kind of looking at food ingredients in terms of preparation that increase nutrient availability uh, or combination of how these things might aid, for example, absorption of nutrients or digestion uh, and uh, or effects. Uh, so, so he's kind of like going beyond fine dining uh, when it comes to food and, and uh, combining this, not, not to mention that he's one of the guys who popularized the use of wild herbs uh, across fine dining restaurants in Finland. So that's a true expert to deal with. Well, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope some of our listeners uh, take us up on, on and join us. If they want to do that, where can they go to uh, sign up? So if you go to biohackersummit.com, that's where you can find uh, our latest event, uh, the, the Swedish event. And if you are not yet necessarily ready to commit to this event, you can also join our newsletter and you get the information of any of our upcoming events. And uh, we we do organize one internationally outside of Finland every year. And our main event is in October, by the way, on 13th and 14th of October in Helsinki. And that's kind of the biggest event. Um, so if you can make the Stockholm event, you should come along to the Helsinki event at least. Um, but uh, you definitely should considering what you do this spring to to come to Stockholm because, I mean, it's just beautiful time to be there. And as I mentioned, the program is just like, uh, it's amazing uh, to say the least. Well, and, and I mean, not only do you, you get to rub elbows with all these people, you get to learn, you get to jump in frozen ponds. If you go to Finland in the fall, you get to uh, forage, you get to eat wild foods. Uh, it, it's just amazing. I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, gentlemen, let's get your top three tips to live optimal. You guys can, uh, you can break this up any way you want. You can do three at a time. You can alternate one, one, two, two. Uh, but but our audience wants to know your top three tips to live optimal. Okay, I've been heavily into breathing exercises lately, which just does an amazing job for the brain. Uh, I've been hacking pranayama, the old traditional yoga style where you uh, where you do breathing exercise in a much better way. When it's that's when you do it while swimming. So do that if you swim for 30 minutes and you increase more and more the level, the amounts of strokes that you take beneath the water. You start by taking one above, two under, one above, two under. Then you increase to one uh, above, three under, and so on. You expand it more and more. And this, as for me, it's been really taking my creative aspect of using my brain to a next level. When you come out of that, it's really, really crazy. 
And I did, as I'm talking to uh, Ryan here for Natural Stacks, I tried this together with some medicinal mushrooms, the Myco Boost and the Myco Mind, together with breathing ex exercises. That was really, really crazy. It was like the brain just wanted to get these fantastic ideas out. So I couldn't have anything else in the brain. It's crazy when I did this intense breathing swimming and it was, I couldn't even hold the amount of uh, laps I had swum. So it was just the new ideas, new ideas. Later, I just had to go up and have quiet around me and just write down all these fantastic ideas to come. So when you combine these also old ancient traditions with new knowledge of biohacking and uh, the perfect supplements, you really get some cool things uh, happening. This is outside of my normal expertise, but I'm always trying to establish this uh, systematic thinkings in combination to get those results. So check in to, to this pranayama style of swimming. It, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Good. Get those American yeah. disclaimers out there. <laughs> yeah, my my turn. And uh, it's it's a funny coincidence that you mentioned um, this kind of breathing plus swimming aspect because I was about to say that learn diving because when you are diving uh, you learn this concept of buoyancy so you basically have this weight weights on your waist and then you have uh, some air in uh, in your vest and uh, when that uh, kind of weight is negated with the air in your vest, you float, you just like fly uh, in the in, in the water. And the way how you go up is by um, pull, uh, by drawing your lungs full of air. And the way how you go down is by exhaling uh, slowly. So that's how you go up and down and you control basically the whole experience by reading. And when you when you learn to do that um, properly, you learn to maximize the use of oxygen because you have a limited amount of oxygen in the tank. And it's just meditation, how you can uh, go around and just like the, the wonderful uh, experience of experiencing all that wildlife underwater, it's just if, not, if something is going to make you an environmentalist, that is one experience. Uh, I, I was just three weeks in Indonesia doing diving as well as uh, hiking in uh, rainforests uh, and uh, national parks, also in Thailand and Singapore. And one of my kind of tips is that get out there, go to nature, try to schedule some time, some hikes, some walks without modern technology, without mobile phones or anything. Uh, the, the evidence, the science is out there. It really does lower blood pressure. It lowers uh, uh, stress. Uh, it just makes you more mindful. And you probably just like Matthias mentioned, you get get those ideas that you don't normally do uh, when you are engaging yourself in hiking around or or doing breathing exercise or swimming. So often when I have a problem that I can't kind of crack or I have anxiety, if I go for a walk um, in the forest, just like the, all the activity that goes on around you is so complex. Uh, uh, all the plants, all the all the uh, movement you see around yourself that really clears your mind of all the crap that you've been dealing with. So that's my tip. 
Yes, and to build upon that, and a way to hack, if you don't have a forest nearby or so, at least what you should do, which is not easy, especially if you're like a biohacker kind of guy, information junk, you always need this new information, everything, schedule boring time. Look at your life, and if you don't have boring times, there will be uh, problems <laughs> because if we just fill our minds with new podcasts and new information all the time, we become copycats. We become robots who just recites everything that we take in because we take in things all, all the time. When we schedule boring time, you can actually grow something of your own out of this, who, who you are and what you want to apply and how you want your life to shape out. You can't build anything like that if you constantly have input. We we had that conversation actually with Matthias and and Simu at uh, at the, the this biohacking event in Finland. And Matthias, I'm not sure if you remember that or not, but that was a very it was a very great conversation. I'm glad you brought that up as one of your tips. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, let me let me continue and add that the default mode network. Uh, in neuroscience refers to this network that uh, brain regions that activate when you are not actively focusing on things in the outside world. And there is many books written about this, a lot of studies that have come out, how important that is to memory formation, to, to learning, to creativity and so on. So you really need that idle time for sure uh, to, to perform better. Uh, my next tip is a practical application. So if you have, let's say, an iPhone, you can download an app called Way of Life. And Way of Life enables you to have kind of a short to-do list that is the same for every day. And uh, what I have on my Way of Life to-do list is, for example, the following items. Uh, no phone before breakfast. I have also meditation or napping as one kind of positive thing that I want to promote every day. I have stretching or massage. I also have meeting friends and I also have cold exposure and, uh, and or sauna. Uh, so you want to kind of create this kind of running list of things that you want to do every day, uh, but you shouldn't beat yourself if you don't do some of these things every day. But it's kind of a reminder every day for you of the things that you find beneficial that are beyond and outside your kind of normal work-related to-do list. And I find this way of life application to be pretty cool. So you can track over time uh, how you are kind of engaging yourself in those activities that are important to you. That's really cool. And, and Timu, thank you for sharing the, the things that are actually on your list because I, I just wrote those down. And, and as you read them out, I, I just, it's kind of like, it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, you know, what if every single person, you know, did each of those things every day, how much healthier would we all be and how much happier would we be? So um, very cool. You guys have one more, one more each. Yes. Uh, I will now address this learning how to learn, how to become a visualizer in an exercise, which you should do at least one or two minutes each day. It's a very simple exercise. You choose one object 
for the day. It can be a normal object like a glass or a lamp or anything. And then you just sit <laughs> almost against the wall. So you, you should have your eyes open, but it's a one minute uh, meditation exercise where you try to visualize this glass or this the object you've chosen for the day in front of yourself before the wall. So it's like a three-dimensional object. You try to slowly see it, spin it around maybe, see it from, explore different details of it and time yourself you actually do this for a full minute. And this will slowly uh, increase your brain's uh, ability to visualize and you get more control over visualization also. One object each day, because visualizing three-dimensional image, that's the key of taking control over your own learning. That's, that's very cool. So my final point is that a lot of people ask me, what should I track? So like what wearable should I buy? What what kind of lab tests should I do, etc. And my advice for any type of tracking is that start from the things that you want to change. Start from the things that you struggle with. It's not really about calculating steps if you're already active. It's not really about, you know, looking, looking at your uh, vitamin D levels if you already get sunshine. So it's it's really about kind of going for those things that you want to change. And the interesting thing about tracking something is that um, you can't really fully um, objectively track something and, and do it at the same time. You're already changing your behavior when you start that activity. So if if you start tracking your steps, for example, you start to be more mindful about walking or taking the stairs instead of uh, the elevator or walking instead of getting a cab. So the, the thing about Changing your behavior is really to be mindful about your activity. And if tracking can become a tool that enables you to pay more attention to that, if sleep is your problem, if you don't sleep enough, if you just look at the hours, number of minutes that you sleep every night, that will change your attitude towards sleeping slowly. So that's my my kind of tip for you. If you want to change your behavior, just be more mindful of it. And you can use modern technology for it to be able to pay attention to it every day. I really like that. I think the the very first part about what you said is so applicable because there are so many things that we can track. There are so many quote unquote biohacks that we can implement. You know, how do you know which ones? Uh, there, there's obviously more of them than we could do in any one given day. So how do you know which ones you should do? And, and uh, Timo just made a great point, you know, start with the ones that um, will have the biggest impact for you, the things that you struggle with. Uh, and that's where you'll, where you will likely see a big return. So, uh, gentlemen, this has been a blast. Uh, I cannot wait to see you both again in person in a few weeks. And for you guys listening, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. Uh, make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post for this with all of the links and resources that these guys brought up. And please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show, and share this episode with any of your friends and family that you know will enjoy and benefit from the things that we've talked about. There are tons of uh, action items in this podcast, uh, and share the OPP in general. Uh, that's how we help more people uh, and, and reach more people and grow this movement. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. That was it's a been pleasure. a blast. Thanks. Thank you.